Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. Don't miss a single teaching. Be sure to download the Nachamu Ami app by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Download the App button in the top left corner. Enjoy the message. Okay, Jeopardy time. Just one, one simple question. Laser-assisted in situ keratomyelitis. LASIK. Laser-assisted in situ keratomyelitis. You know, life and football games and things are often talked about in terms of being a matter of inches. LASIK is a matter of microns. Who knows what a micron is? What's a micron? How small? A thousandth of a millimeter. A thousandth of a millimeter. So, so let me explain this to you real quick. There is a process that takes place where we used to take a blade and a little instrument and we would pass it along the top of the cornea and make an incision through the surface layers of the cornea about 90 microns thick by hand, which created a flap which could be lifted back. And underneath the flap was non-regenerative corneal tissue in a layer called the stroma. And in the stroma, then you turned on a laser which also removed microns of corneal tissue to the degree that a person who walked in to have LASIK who could not see here in about five minutes by removing a, a layer of tissue thinner than the piece and a piece of paper could the next day drive themselves back to the office with 20-20 vision. We don't make flaps by hand anymore. Now we use a $450,000 laser that does that. You could etch a pattern in a human hair with the laser that we use to reshape the cornea. And all of that happens under the, under the careful, watchful, well-trained hand, at least, of Dr. Richard Eisner. This happens in about four and a half minutes per eye. I was in surgery last week because that's something I do on Thursdays. I've done it for a long time, 19 years, actually, with my dad. <clears throat> and I was watching him lift the flap. And all of a sudden, I was just struck by this thought. I have absolutely no appreciation for what is happening here before my eyes. I have seen this happen so many times. I have seen so many lives affected. People come out of that room, they sit in the chair, they can see the eye chart, they weep. 
and they give my dad hugs and they hug everyone in the office and they say, this is a miracle. Thank God, I can't even believe this. And they come back and they're crying. And a year later, they're still crying when they come in and they say, I'll never forget you. And I'm watching this happen and I realize and God says, you have absolutely no appreciation for what is going on. Thousands, probably 15,000 eyes I've been a part of. You could say that's, you know, 7,500 human life forms that have been affected. Some in here have had LASIK. So I was watching this miracle and I realized I have no appreciation. I'm, I'm blind to this good thing. Here's the problem. We're also blind to the bad things in our lives. They work the very same way. The beginning of descent, D-E-S-C-E-N-T. The beginning of descent for so many of us is simply careless obliviousness. We don't pay attention to what is happening in our lives. By, by, by choosing not to pay attention to things that really, really, really are important. And we talked about this last week with the, with the soldier who took the captive woman who became his hated wife, who gave him a wayward and rebellious son. And eventually it, the, that chapter ends with this guy, you can't leave somebody hanging on a, craw, on a, on a tree. And like this whole descent of connected bad decisions and, and so much of how we live, unfortunately, is this, this obliviousness. And we talked last week about getting to the root of things and seeing connections between one failure and another failure that eventually lead us astray, sometimes way far astray. Off the derech, we say. Off the way, off the path. And so far in our Elul journey, we've descended to consider, honestly, some of our failures. And, and so speaking of this, this path that we're on, wouldn't it be amazing if you're walking a direction and God just drops a boulder out of heaven and says, no, don't go that way. Wouldn't that be great? Well, a lot of times he does. We just don't see the boulder. So we make mistakes again and again and again and again. And so today, as we make our turn, as we make our turn from, from descent to ascent, our return, our conscious effort to turn from our bad walk toward the good to ascend toward Hashem, I want to consider with you a couple of boulders, a couple of blocks that I want you to be aware of on the journey. Hindrances that are going to prevent you from becoming the people that God wants you to be. 
I can promise you with a certainty these things, will, this will prevent you. Every descent, we've said, is for the sake of a future ascent. Well, as we begin the ascent, it's time to qualify that maxim. Every descent is for the sake of a future ascent if we're willing to engage with the failure. If we're willing to, to change, if we're, if we're willing to take note, every, every descent is for the sake of a future ascent. If you continue to descend with no change, as I told you before, making mistakes is not the problem. Ignoring the mistakes and not changing is a big problem. So with that in mind, and back to my vision, I, wanna, I, want, I want you to take a walk with me. I was thinking through this vision as I was preparing this, this sermon. A certain block to our progress for, for almost everyone in this room, whether you want to admit it or not, I'll admit it for you. You don't even know what it is yet, right? Picture a narrow path. Picture a narrow path. We, we've, we've hiked down into the valley, right? We've, we've had our descent. We got down there. We got in the dust and the muck and the mire, and we got down there. But now we're on the way up. And I want you to picture this mountain path, and we're walking up this hill. And on either side are the tall faces of cliffs, but there's a path through it. And we're walking and we're making our way and we can feel it. We were down in the valley, but, but we're up. We're walking up. We got these high walls, but there's a way out. And all of a sudden we hear it. And there's a little bit of a shaking and a rumbling. And we start to see it and rocks begin to slide down from the cliff on either side. We can still see our path but we see we are in the middle of something that's going to block this path. And so we speed up to get out, and then we really hear it. It's a very, very large rumble, and coming down the side of this mountain is a huge boulder that is in the path of our progress, and we are not going to make it. And we step, and the boulder hits. The path is blocked. We can't go up because we can't scale the sidewalls. It's too high and jagged to climb. But as we approach the boulder to investigate it, we see that there's, there's something written on it. It's five characters. We look closer and it says M-A-T-T-7. Four letters and a number. And we say, what is happening? But we are good Bible people, aren't we? And so we make the connection. Ma Matthew 7. And we think to ourselves, God, you could have done something better like, how about PS23? 
though I walk through the valley, you know, you're going to make a way. Or, or how about that Psalm 119 thing where, where you light onto my path and you're going to show me the way. But I'm a good Bible person. Matthew 7, I'm sure it's something good too. Pull out my phone because I have service. And I pull it up, M-A-T-T-7, and it says this. Anyone know what it says? Do not judge, so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. I don't get it, Damien. I know. That's the point. We don't get it. We do not understand how dangerous and damning judgment is. And yet, we don't see the boulder. And if you want to be better, if you want to be different, if you want to be holy like God is holy, you let Him do that part. It's not your job. And it is a very, very big boulder to your path to ascent. We could end the message there, but I'm not quite done. See, Hashem doesn't necessarily put that boulder in your path. You know who does? You do. You do. Like my, like my LASIK revelation experience in the OR uh, of allowing something to be so commonplace in my life that I can't appreciate it. We do the same thing with our own actions and behaviors, and oftentimes we even find a way to not just judge, but justify the judgment. Now, judgment works in a similar fashion to, this, to, this, to the good of watching all these attributes in LASIK. Judgment works uh, uh, equally as as equally in the opposite direction. Criticisms, judgments toward those around us. And worse yet, we don't know it, we don't see it, and there's a reason. Do you know why we don't see it? We've got something in our eye. Matthew 7 continues. You know what he says, right? Why do you do it? Why? Why? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That's also in M-A-T-T-7. So this boulder is telling us a lot. Yeshua said this in L-U-K-E-6. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. 
Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Everyone loves this. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. But they don't love this part. For the measure you use will be measured to you. My friends, I am not exactly sure that we understand the significance of what judgment does in our spiritual life. These are very, very, very serious statements that are coming from the mouth of our Messiah. Do you feel like I'm beating you up? I'm not trying to. I'm giving you a caution. I've been wondering how many people have thought as we have been going through this series here, I've been wondering and and thinking to myself and even being guilty of it myself saying, how many have said, hmm, this is, this is good stuff. I'm getting something out of this. But man, you know who really needs to hear this? Man, I hope my husband, I hope he's got the wax out of his dirty old ears to be hearing what's, the, what's being set up here. You know who needs to hear this? Yeshua said this to that. You hypocrite, take the log out of your own eye and then maybe you can help. Don't misunderstand me. It's it's not bad that that you want to share the things that we talk about. That's not it. It's not bad to want to share or, or see some benefit for someone. It's the danger of unequal measures which the Torah talks about, but Yeshua certainly talks about in this particular area. It's the danger of judgment that we use as a measure for ourselves. And how do we like that to be? Full of grace and mercy, right? The Father's mercies are new every morning for me, but to you. When we consider God's judgment toward us, we're looking for that. Give us a fair measure, God. And Yeshua, it's imperative that we practice that same thing toward others, he told us. Are we always good at that? Not always. As a matter of fact, not often always are we good at extending the same grace and mercy that we receive, are we? Why? I phrased it like this last week. I'm sticking to it. Deflection prevents reflection. Deflection prevents reflection. And what I mean by that is it is safer, it is easier, it's so much less painful to focus outward than inward. It is so much easier, and one could argue, well, that's just our nature. You know, as I've suggested, we, we tend toward the negative. And, and the thing is, we, why not see the negative in others? That'll help us feel good about ourselves, right? They don't have to know I think that about them, but I feel better about me. Comparison always feels good when we come out on top of the deal, right? You know, I, I, well, yeah, you know, it's true, Rabbi, I may have failed some this year, but at least I'm not so-and-so. At least I didn't do what so-and-so did. That's a boulder, and you've lost an opportunity to go forward. You lost it. You're blocked. Hillel, prior to Yeshua, says, do not judge your fellow man until you have reached his place. 
someone else said, don't judge a man till you walked a mile in his moccasins. I think that was Sitting Bull or someone. Yeshua just said, don't judge. He pretty much boiled it down for you. Because he's good at that. No nonsense. Don't judge. I don't know if we have internalized with fear and trembling what M-A-T-T-7 says to us when it says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. But I'm going to heaven, Damien. Come on. Jesus has taken away every sin I have, will do. It's all good. I know, but don't you want to get there and like have done some good things? Don't you want to get there and say, you know what? Here's a, here's a crown for you because you actually did what Jesus did. Judgment, that's a big word, Damien. I'm not talking about that kind of judgment. I'm talking about the judgment that plagues us every single day of our lives on this planet as humans. It's a boulder that is so easy to overlook. And remember last week when we talked about that leading to another, one bad decision leads to another and another and another and the captive soldier. Here's what I figured out this week. Someone has always figured this out before me, I'm sure somewhere, but here's what happens. When it becomes an easy boulder for you, when you can just overlook the boulder of judging everybody else, you know what the next connected really bad thing that you do is? You got it. Who said it? Lashan hara, evil speech. The next connection is to take your judgment and why shouldn't I share it with Linda? If I'm enjoying this this much, surely she'll like it as well. Did you know that so-and-so over here did such and such? You're kidding. I heard that his wife also. There's this connected thing, both of which are really, really bad things to do. You see, people call that gossip. Well, it's gossip. Evil gossip. Well, Judaism calls it murder, actually, because evil gossip, Lashon Hara, kills three. It kills the speaker. It kills the listener. And it kills the one who was talked about. Because you destroy a part of their character, which cannot be redeemed in some cases. So it's so easy to go from looking at someone and judging them unfavorably to then sharing that with someone else. And now we've descended into a really, really gross place. And in the end of it all, what have we really gained? Nothing. A personal deflection that prevents us from having to maybe face some things that we really need to look at. We gain nothing by it, and yet it's so easy to do and to overlook. Damien, I know this. Why do I have to sit here for 30 minutes and listen to you tell me this? Because you need reminding. Because I know for certain that probably yesterday this happened to you, and maybe by the time you got here today, or maybe when you walked in here, or maybe even now, 
I don't know why we do it, but I know I do it. I know I do it so easily for no reason, with no awareness, and often, worst part, with no remorse. I know that it is too easy for me to assume the worst about people. I know that Yeshua meant the words he said about do not judge and forgive and measure for measure and all that stuff. I know that he meant that. And I know that the boulder that lays before us all, this blockade to our ascent into the high holidays, I know that that M-A-T-T-7 boulder needs to be blown up and gotten out of the way because it will prevent us. It must be removed from my life and yours because I know these words. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. If you really read these things, they don't actually feel great when we measure them up against our measure. And that's why I'm telling you this, because I want you to be aware. And I know, I know that these words mean something and we cannot miss the significance. And I know that that as miraculous a procedure as LASIK is for giving people vision to see and enjoy the world... I know that we need spiritual vision correction from the great physician. That is to look here first. That is to look here first. And don't get me wrong. I know that there is a place for judgment in our lives as disciples of Yeshua. I know that. There are people who who for 2 Timothy in chapter 4, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage, with great patience and careful instruction. In other words, when someone's off the derech, when someone is way out, it is okay to bring them back. It is okay to render a judgment about the action. Romans 14, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of his brother. We are to judge the action, not the person. That's the old classic, uh, love the sin, hate the sin. No, other way, sorry. Love the sinner, hate the sin. I saw, I saw a shirt up at uh, North Point. And when I was up there for some reason, some conference or something, Andy Stanley's church, I was in the bookstore, saw that shirt that said, believe me, go to the bookstore at North Point one time. Saw the shirt that said, love, love the sinner, hate the sin. Now I can't remember the shirt. But anyway, basically what it just had was it had everything crossed out except love which sounds on its face like a really good thing, but that's not actually our calling as disciples. We're not to overlook sin and just let people be whatever they want to be, and that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. You judge an action. You don't judge a person, right? How, though? 
How do we remove this boulder called judging others from our lives? Well, it would be very nice to take this boulder that I showed you that we walked through the mountain path. It'd be nice if God had given us like some tools and we could drill a hole in it, stick a piece of dynamite in it. Bam, it's over. We fixed it instantly. That would be nice. But that's cheating. Because we're fresh out of dynamite. God's got some, but he's not giving it right now. Because he wants you to think through this boulder. We're going to chip away at it. And he wants us to use the tools we have. And I told you some of those tools last week. One is to be honest with yourself. To be honest with yourself before you issue a word or thought toward another. Consider your own self. Be honest with yourself. Maybe you never struggle with this. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe you're saying, wow, geez, the rabbi, he's like a really judgmental guy. I'm never going to tell him anything. I'm not, but I can be, and I don't want to be. You see? That's just honest. Can you be honest with yourself as well? I told you also we need to work to redeem our mistakes. If, if our judgment has caused hurt toward another this year, try to fix it. You can't necessarily undo the consequences, but, but you don't know what you might be able to do to repair, to redeem a mistake that you made and, and use it for good. And the other thing I said was change, change it. Every single day, change it. Today is the Lord, today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice And add this to that. I will work today to first see the log in my own eye. And if you do that, you will undergo a change. You will. I will consider the measure I'm using on my brother and sister. And know, listen to this, that it is the one that will be used on me. supernaturally, we might find, we might find that God will put a little stick of dynamite in that boulder that's preventing our way forward and get it out of our way. But today, I will be aware of the miraculous power that God has given us to change. And one more important tool, and I'm going to add it to those three things. I told you, be honest, redeem the mistake, be willing to change, and one more is practice gratitude. Oh, jeez, come on, Damien. How many times until we get it? Practice gratitude. Make a habit of being grateful for the things in your life not the perceived bad things in someone else's life. And I don't even like, I got, a, I got an attitude of gratitude. I don't want it to be a stupid attitude that you can turn on and off. I want it to be the way we constantly think and live our lives. I want it to be a habit. Our default switch is to gratitude. 
Yes, in my life, I've been able to participate in this miracle, life-changing thing called LASIK that transforms lives. And somehow, I allowed myself to overlook that. Thank God, God brought it back to my vision. And now, that was two weeks ago, Thursday. This Thursday, I just went, (sighs) wow, I didn't really do that. But I was happy to be there. I was happy. I had an opportunity. At times, I just see it. I've seen it as work. It's a hassle. It's a hindrance to doing something else I wanted to do. As a side note, though, I've been able to work with my dad for 19 years together. We've had like two major fights in 19 years. That's pretty darn good. We almost, almost killed each other both of those times, but we didn't, and it was only twice. 19 years. My dad and I never would have had the relationship that we have now had it not been. This congregation, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be here doing this if it weren't for that. He was always willing to let me devote so much time to this and still give me a paycheck there to feed my family. And I overlook that, but I shouldn't. And I can focus on the negatives and judge and do all this other stuff, but why? So easy to overlook them. I call it, it's plank eye syndrome. That's what it is. Plank eye syndrome. Can't be fixed with an eczema laser. Why focus on the negative in others and overlook the positive in our own lives, right? It's not an attitude of gratitude. It's a habit. It's a way of life that we must adopt. And my friends, I know that, uh, listen, I know that a life that is free of judgment, which is the goal, is a life of freedom. It really is to not let someone else occupy any negative space in your mind. It's so free. When someone does something, let it stink and go. It's hard to judge others when you're focused on the positive in your own life. It's really hard to do that. And it's a good thing. It takes practice. We can say practice gratitude because as I've demonstrated, it doesn't necessarily just show up. It's not a stick of dynamite. It is actually taking a little chisel every day. And chipping away at this boulder called judgment that we're too prone to overlook. But you know what? I guarantee you, even if it's a little by little, When we ask Hashem to change us from the inside out, we have to do the work. But there will come a time when we're chiseling away at it, chiseling, 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 and then you're going to hit it and it's going to go. That. I couldn't do that again if I tried. And the stone will break. And it will be behind you. And you will continue upward. 
It's a new identity, you see. When you practice something, it's not just an attitude. It's a new identity, and that's what Yeshua said he gave you, right? I am a new creation. That means I do these things. And that's what these days and this ascent are all about. So in conclusion next week, as the gates of Teshuvah open on Rosh Hashanah, Next week, we take our last and most important step upward in our now ascent to the high holidays. So the reveal and the conclusion to Elul next week. Shabbat Shalom. We hope you enjoyed the weekly teaching. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makinmessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you again for listening.